The following is a message given by Sheldon Campbell, a pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church. In this message, Pastor Sheldon Campbell preaches from the second chapter of the book of Ruth. Unfortunately, we started our recording a little bit late, so it missed the first few verses as he read the chapter. So it's a good opportunity to grab your Bible and just read those verses so that you can follow along. They answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after their reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law, since the death of your husband, has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and your mother and your native land, and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her, and also pull out some from the bundles from her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up 
and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women lest in another field you will be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. You know, while I was growing up, I was encouraged by my parents and teachers to apply various methods to solve problems and to do all kinds of activities. You know, one such method was to use trial and error. The idea was, as I repeatedly tried to achieve success in a particular area, that I should get better. You know, I'm gonna say getting better, I mean that I should be more successful at it. So, I may have several to many fail attempts in the process, but I should just stick to it. You know, as we think about it, it is important to recall that, you know, while we are made in the image and the likeness of God, that he is still very different from us. I want us to, to just think about that. As such, we cannot project our human experiences with our ways of learning on God. Moreover, God is not using us or anyone like a trial and error experiment, which he's going to get better at. In fact, as we read the Bible, including the book of Ruth, we see that God is very much in control, and thus he has everything planned and covered for his glory and our good. And so we should trust in that. You know, in, in our text today, the author of um, the book of Ruth will demonstrate the providence of God. I will use three headings that I've borrowed from a commentator to, to summarize what I believe God wants us to learn and benefit from this passage. They are one, expecting grace, two, experiencing grace, and three, Did I, did I say expecting grace, experiencing grace, and, ex, and expressing grace? <laughs> All right. So let me just give you a little bit of context. As we begin chapter 2, let's remember what takes place at the end 
of chapter 1. We were told that Naomi and Ruth had returned to Bethlehem. In fact, Naomi and her family had left from Bethlehem to Moab. And now Naomi returns with her daughter-in-law, Ruth the Moabite. Moreover, we are also told when they return. That is, at the beginning of the barley harvest. In ancient Israel, the barley harvest took place in the early parts of spring, early spring, usually about March, April, thereabout. So at the start of chapter 1, Naomi leaves during famine, and at the end of chapter 1, she returns while there is this harvesting of barley, which is beginning. And this is confirming what God is doing. He, he has visited his people, and he has given them food, as um, Ruth says in um, chapter 1, verse 6. So we begin chapter 2 with this sense of hope because of God's presence and provision in Bethlehem. But we're still unsure how this will benefit Ruth and Naomi, who are two unemployed widows. So let's, let's, address, let's address our first main point, which is expecting grace. In verse 1, we learn that Naomi's in-law, that is her dead husband, Elimelech's relative's name was Boaz. We're told that he was a worthy man in, in the ESV translation, which we're using. The Christian Standard Bible um, says um, he was of noble character. However, other translations have that Boaz was a man of great wealth and importance. As we, as we go further, we see Ruth asks Naomi for permission to glean. And you may ask, what is, what is gleaning? Well, gleaning is where you would pick up the grain, in this case, the barley, um, which was left in the fields by the workers who were harvesting the barley, right? This practice was commanded by God in Leviticus 19, verse 9 through to 10, which says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord, your God. Sinclair Ferguson notes, God had made a law about gleaning. It was an expression of his love and concern for the poor, the stranger, and the marginalized, a concern that he commanded his people to share. Dion, Dean Ulrich notes, the charitable provisions of the law and theology behind them reminded God's people of their unique status among the nations of the world. Just let that kick in. While everyone had to make a living and put food on the table, making a living was not to consume the attention of God's people. Ouch. One could work to meet his or her financial commitments and still not lose sight of ministering to others in Yahweh's name. Boy, I feel like the Lord just gave me a big kick a while ago. Um, Naomi responded by granting Ruth's request. You know, Ruth wanted someone, anyone who would just grant her favor to glean. 
she expected grace. This was, this was so because many times the landowners would actually deny them this request to glean. And you'd think, well, it was commanded by law, but even though it was in the Mosaic law, people still many times did not permit them to glean. You know, Dean uh, Ulrich again suggests, the law may have told God's people how to live as such, but it could not coerce godly conduct. Only the internal work of God's Spirit can transform a person's predisposition so that he or she willingly and cheerfully observes the commands of God. You know, I, be I believe the Holy Spirit is asking us today, do we trust God with our finances? Is this reflected in our giving to the church, to ministries, or to the less fortunate, which could benefit from some of our resources? You know, today we live in a technologically advanced world where we have so many ways to earn an income. However, the income at that time was largely based on agriculture. And the, the poor, the foreigners, the widows had few options. As such, could you expect how nerve-wracking this must have been for a woman who is a foreigner? She's poor. She now has no husband to support her to do the work that she's setting out to do. Much less, do you realize one thing here? That Naomi wasn't going to glean or accompany her. What would happen to Ruth? Did she feel that her position could have gotten any worse? Um, did she think it's better to just take a chance in the field of an unknown owner? Did she know and count the cost? Or was she actively trusting God in this initiative? And I don't want us to have a pity party, but is there anyone here today who feels like I am at rock bottom? But you know, God is encouraging you to, to trust him and to do something. If so, Joel, Sean, and I would like to pray with you after the service. You know, so Ruth went out and she started to glean in the field. And the Bible suggests, oh my gosh, she happened to come. Or as it turns out, to come to Boaz's field. Do you believe this was just mere coincidence? No, because when this happens in Scripture, it is seen. God is up to something. The author is emphasizing and exclaiming, God is at work. Don't we all have those times when the way things worked out in a particular situation, and when you consider the timing, it must have been divine providence, because you say, listen, it couldn't occur otherwise. You know, sometimes it is easy to, to see how God is at work in retrospect. But we have these stories to help us to walk by faith and trust that God is at work each day in our lives as we seek to live in ways that please him. Let's go on to our second point, which is experiencing grace. 
In verse 4, it says, And behold, Boaz came. <laughs> Look at the timing again. The author is saying, Behold. You know, so don't, don't, don't miss this. Behold. Look. It isn't, again, just mere coincidence that Boaz just so happens to come while Ruth is there then. Are you getting the point? Divine providence is at work. Boaz then greets the reapers with a blessing, indicating the kind of individual he was. And they answered by pronouncing a blessing on him. You know, we would describe Boaz as a, today as a gracious Christian businessman who re workers respond well to his leadership. In verse 5, Boaz asks the foreman, who is the young man in charge, naturally, whose young woman is this? And the foreman answers Boaz, telling him that she is the Moabite who came back with Naomi. You know, from the interaction, you can see that Ruth had asked the, the foreman to glean in the field that had already been harvested. And what did the foreman do? He allowed her. The foreman added, she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Therefore, the, the foreman noticed how industrious um, Ruth was. He knew she was sincerely trying to take care of herself and her mother-in-law. Her hard work was an expression of love. Do you know God notices the things that you have done to honor him? Even the very things in secret that no one knows, and he reward you for it. The Lord knows as moms how you work tirelessly to, to ensure that your children are healthy and well-educated. Much less you seek to provide a comfortable home and and one for your children and your husband. Husband, the Lord knows how you work assiduously to provide for your family. You make a lot of sacrifices and sometimes you feel like it goes unnoticed. But God knows. For those who are single, God sees how you care for your parents and those around you. He sees how you use your time to serve because you may not be as constrained for time as the married folk. And God is pleased. In fact, we know of God's love through his actions as well. Christ died for us. It wasn't just talk. Then Boaz spoke graciously to Ruth, calling her daughter. I don't make no sense, you know, in the culture. She was a Moabite. Israelites despised Moabites. You know, Ruth was li likely much younger than Boaz. Um, it's interesting that he said to the foreman, whose young woman is this? And here you realize he's calling her daughter. 
Boaz then instructs her to glean in his field, to keep close to his women, and to reap with them. He also explained that he had told the young men not to touch her. You know, Daniel Block says, Boaz is here instituting the first anti-sexual harassment policy in the workplace recorded in the Bible. Do you know as believers, God calls us to be aware of those who are vulnerable? You know, we should do all that is in our power to provide protection for those around us. You know, consequently, Boaz tells Ruth that she can drink water from what the young men have drawn. And Ruth could not believe the favor that Boaz was bestowing on her. Listen, I want you to realize this. Ruth literally fell on her face, bowing to the ground, you know, showing respect and gratitude. You know, Ruth asks, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? since I am a foreigner. However, if we acknowledge that we are outsiders too, we would realize that this is the same question that we ask God as well. But this answer is because God is rich in mercy, as Ephesians 2 verse 4 says. So Boaz has heard about Ruth's faithfulness to Naomi and has and her choice to leave Moab, to return to Bethlehem with her despite the circumstances. And as a result, Boaz then takes this opportunity to offer a prayer of blessing for Ruth, outlining that God could truly, God, I want you to hear this, not him, you know, God can truly repay her. And in the process of that, he highlights her radical conversion. Sinclair Ferguson notes, to, to shelter or hide under God's wings is a common Old Testament expression for trusting in him as covenant Lord. I want us to just think of that. This is totally in line with what Ruth had said to Naomi, that your people will become my people, and your God will become my God. So you can see here that Ruth has now embraced that Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, is now her God. And as such, Ruth is now beginning to experience the, the blessing and the grace from being in the community, in, in God's community today that would primarily be seen through the church. You know, if we think of how desperate Ruth was at the beginning of the day and what she was now experiencing, you, you, you should get a better picture of why she's so comforted by what Boaz is saying to her. But the, the generosity of Boaz is, is not yet even at its end. He continues to look for Ruth, and she's like, I, I don't know what's up here. She doesn't know why. Moreover, in verses 15 through to 16, Boaz tells Ruth, come here, 
and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So Ruth started the day hoping she'd be allowed to glean, but now she's been invited to the table, as it were. The foreigner has been invited to join those who belonged there and to eat as much as she needed, plus to even take home leftovers. Wow. Furthermore, Boaz ensured that she'd be able to gather more than she needed by telling the young men, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. Isn't that a great picture of God's grace through Boaz? You know, Boaz was going overboard, much more than the Mosaic law required. In verse 17, Ruth gleans until the evening and she produces an ephah of barley, which is like a large basket which could hold about 5.5 gallons. For those who buy two liter sodas, it would be about 12 of them for perspective. This would be about 30 to 50 pounds of grains. This would be two weeks worth of grain for two persons. This is what we call experiencing grace. The righteous people like Boaz and righteous policies like gleaning. Let's go on to our third point, which is expressing grace. In verse 18, we're told that Ruth took it up and went into the city. Listen, Ruth must have been a very strong woman. Got no light. Ruth gives Naomi her leftovers, and Naomi, who is now beyond herself, pretty much exclaims, I went out of the world ago today, and which man prick upon you? Because the fact of the matter is, just think about it. She's like, she begins the day not even knowing what's going to happen, and Ruth comes with this crazy amount of green. So Ruth tells her, his name is Boaz. Naomi then says a prayer of blessing for Boaz. She expresses grace towards God and Boaz. Daniel Block says, no one in the book demands of God that he meets his or her needs and no one demands specific miraculous divine intervention on his or her own behalf. In the story, the concern is expressed by loving actions that promote the next person's well-being and by verbal expressions of prayer for the next person. Do you realize they didn't pray for God's will and direction for their lives, per se? But they continued to be faithful to do what was required and God intervened. You know, it seems like it's easy for us these days to become almost obsessive with the former while not being particularly committed to the latter. Another observation is that the, God's community of believers should be concerned about the welfare of others. Righteous people don't just, you know, look at the world and shrug and say, I saw it go. They do what's in their power to make a better place. 
You know, Proverbs 12, verse 10 illustrates the righteous life by pointing out that the righteous has regard even for the life of the beast. If so, how much more are neighbors? This reflects God's heart, the heart he expresses in, in laws like the gleaning laws. Well, I can't, I can't manage when I read the scripture sometime, you know, I, I guess I'm too visual. But Naomi adds that Boaz is also a kinsman redeemer. Oh my gosh. So it seems like she was going into wedding planning mode here, you know, pretty much like, hey, this man can marry you. You guys have an offspring. Restore a family name. This is all set. We're good to go. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, take it easy, Naomi. <laughs> And, he, and in God's kindness, we, we learn that God does have in store for Ruth and therefore for Naomi. But they could not have dreamt how he was at work to redeem them and us, to bring us into his family in much greater way through our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who was a descendant of Ruth. Finally, Ruth tells Naomi what Boaz had instructed um, regarding the gleaning, the food, the protection, etc. Thus, Naomi was worried about what could have happened to Ruth earlier in the day, but now she was happy to learn of these kind of safety measures that Boaz had put in place. The author ends the scene that Ruth stayed until the wheat harvest, which we know comes in late spring, um, early summer. So Ruth was working for at least two months in Boaz Field and living with her mother-in-law, Naomi, in the city of God. You know, as chapter 2 ends, we are seeing that God has granted the request of Naomi's prayer in Ruth 1, verse 8. And her prayer was, May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Moreover, the, the sermon today has also shown that God is sovereign over all the details of our lives. He's using everything for his purpose. God's care and, and providence in the provisions that he has put in place for us, even when we are unaware, is evident. But we need God to reveal it to us, as we cannot comprehend the ways and thoughts of an infinitely wise God. Furthermore, it's no overstatement to say, yet the greatest provision which God did for us in, is in letting his Son Jesus Christ, to come to die for us. That is addressing our sins on the cross so that we can be saved. Altogether, I believe the, the big picture which our text addresses today is God's providence and grace is expected, experienced, and expressed through righteous policies righteous people and our provision in Christ. I'll just say it again. God's providence and grace is expected, experienced, and expressed 
through righteous policies, righteous people, and our provision in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning recognizing, Lord, just your care and your kindness. Lord, we can't help as we read chapter 1 and now chapter 2 of the book of Ruth, Lord, we're, we're just seeing a God who is so gracious, a God who is so rich in mercy. And Lord, we like Ruth fall down on our face, bowing to you in gratitude for, for just how you have lavishly, Lord God, lavishly poured out your grace and your mercy upon us, O oh God. Lord, we need not think far but to just reflect on what you did by sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to come here and to die on our behalf, O oh God. Help us to always be grateful for this work that you have done. Lord, even when we are unaware, your hidden hand is at work. You are providentially taking care of your people. You let the rain fall on the just and the unjust. You let the sun shine on the wicked and even the righteous. What a good God you are. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You have just listened to a message by Sheldon Campbell, a pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church.